0: Hey everybody, and welcome back to the Post-Military Podcast, where we share stories of veterans transition out of the military and their advice to other service members based on their life experience. Whether you are still in service, a veteran, or just someone preparing to transition into a new chapter of your life, there is something here for you to learn. I've included timestamps in the description of the episode, so head down there to see if there are any topics that are of particular interest to you. Also, while you're poking around, subscribing to the channel or podcast on your favorite platform is always greatly appreciated. Anyway, thank you so much for being here today, and I hope you enjoy the episode.
1: I solemnly swear, Do solemnly swear that, I
0: defend, that I will support and defend the Constitution of the United States. The Constitution of the United States. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Post-Military Podcast, the podcast where we give you stories and advice for transitioning out of the military. With me today is someone who is a local Californian. I think we're actually recording this episode maybe 30 minutes away from each other as the crow flies if you just went straight over the mountains. He lives in napa county which is the much bougier part of the north bay he was a intelligence specialist with the united states marine corps and then after transitioning out has done a number of things that i will let him talk about but one highlight is he was a co-founder of a hot sauce company mach one hot sauce which if you have not tried it i highly recommend you do the Link to the hot sauce will be in the description of this video. So please go check it out. He was kind enough to send me a bottle of it. It's absolutely delicious. I would 100% I put it on everything now. So like, so check it out. His name is Cassidy Nolan. And Cassidy, thank you so much for taking the time to come on today to tell everyone your story, talk about your military transition. We're going to have a great time. So thank you so much for coming on.
1: Thank you for having me, Billy.
0: Yeah. First of all, I love your background. Your whiteboard definitely gives off the impression that you are doing a lot of things. So, good job.
1: There's def there's definitely a lot of uh, a lot of thoughts and ideas and tasks <laughs> that you think that you could keep in your head and over a long enough time. No. Yeah. no you can't. You got to write it down. Yeah. It helps to visualize. And I'm a task-oriented person. Mm-hmm. there's definitely like a confidence boost every time you're like, I'm going to line that out, got that one done. And then you could like historically see it. I know that there's great software programs that do that for you, but this is the freemium. I mean,
0: honestly, I don't know. I feel analog. Yeah. I feel like I've used some of those like software products and I just feel like it's just so easy to just ignore them or you like get on your phone or your computer to access those things and then you just end up on youtube or
1: like social yeah, media that's or a critical like part that. yeah you're so. right yeah it could like the last thing you need is another screen to then be another distraction exactly for sure you're absolutely correct anytime i grab my phone i 100 will do the doom scrolling at some point of like on youtube or instagram or linkedin or something like that for sure you're asking
0: what's the what's the app that like hooks you in the most for me youtube it's insane like i oh man i can i spend way too much time on the app it's honestly ridiculous
1: same same i i think the worst part is that like there is like a dichotomy between it can be incredibly useful of learning how to use like i've used it to learn how to use quickbooks Mm -hmm. how to Use the best optimized way of doing an Excel function for some formula, changing a part of a car. Right. On the other side, (laughs) video game reviews, you know what I mean? (laughs) Yes. Like some fail, you know, some compilation for sure. I am such a sucker and I hate it of, of thumbnails or something like that. And you're like, man, they got me again. You know, my,
0: my, my, my addiction is long form video game reviews
1: or what do you got? What do you got? Oh, as your favorite? So
0: my all-time favorite. Shout out to him. He'll never see his video. Skill up. He's an Australian out okay. of Australian okay. guy. Has some amazing long-form reviews. The Act Man. I know
1: him. He did. I. That's exactly what I was gonna say. And I just binged his Modern Warfare Three. So but funny. Not only did
0: I do the. So funny. Did I do the? <laughs> yeah, the stream. Do the stream.
1: But yeah. then the video. Um, oh yeah
0: ack man yes. who else survived? yeah been in? small world yeah seriously
1: he's only got 1.8 million followers not like i count <laughs> so the fact that we could come together and say that it's impressive if you think about how many it, people have access to
0: it really it really is there's a new guy on the rise named jack sather he is like he's yeah. like in the hundred i think he has like 240 some thousand odd followers he's a new guy he's got some really slick editing he's super fun those are probably my big 3 right now that I go to. And then Got it. but my other my other addiction is long form video game retrospectives. So like there's a dude called I played a video game and yeah he goes through and plays through like an entire series and talks about like the development, the gameplay, the hype cycle. And so he'll release like 4 hour long I, he has a 4 hour long yeah. video on all of Mass Effect. And it's love it so amazing. And like he does yeah. that for all these different Damn. series and so stuff like that just pulls me in. So like the fact that I'm not in video gaming like as a career is probably a poor choice on my part but you know not where I ended up. <laughs> so it is it right is what it is. But uh, yeah. And it's okay to like hobbies. Yeah, exactly. It's okay to have
1: it. It doesn't it doesn't have to be your life. No.
0: It definitely right. does not.
1: Man, 4 hours of I mean that's that's half a work day. That's you're writing a dissertation.
0: Uh, 100%. It's it's point. it's insane. Like the, the videos that guy puts together are are ludicrous. But anyway, I'm so happy that I found out there's a fellow video game YouTuber out there. I love that. So, huge nerd. So I love that so much. Let's get into the meat of the conversation though. Tell everybody out there about your military like Your military career and what brought you to your military transition?
1: Yeah, sure. So I joined in 2008, right out of high school, joined the Marine Corps. I really wanted to be in like the CIA or the NSA or like the DIA. I just thought that was such a cool, slick kind of career. And I thought the fastest way to do that, because I don't come from wealth and means, and college was a very distant kind of thought. I figured if I could join the service, it could give me that upper mobility, but I could also do intelligence. And that might be a good sort of transition, like get my feet wet and understand the sort of like, you know, ins and outs of it, you know, very like JV approach to varsity eventually. Right. And I scored, you know, high enough on the ASBAP and Passed a background check, which was great because I was 18. I hardly got into any real trouble. So got lucky for sure. hundred percent, you know, and I was assigned to first Marine division G2. So I did a division intelligence, brown house represent. If anybody knows main side, they'll get the joke. But I did two deployments to Afghanistan, 10 and 12. And I remember thinking on the first deployment in 2010 of like, what are we doing here? I mean, like this war, the writing was on the wall of like, it's a war of culture more than anything else. And they sent me back in 2012 on that second deployment. My wife was pregnant with her oldest daughter. When I came back from that, it was like, I've done two deployments in like three years. I don't see it slowing down. I really want to get out once again, like do this NSA kind of thing. But I was afraid that there was going to be these Massive commitments like the military again. It's one of the reasons why I got out. Was you don't really feel like you have uh, a sense of agency over your destination. You don't really feel like you have. You know, you're like you're. You know, you're giving up a lot of basically like the irony. You know, a lot of freedom and free will to be part of this organization. And I mean, that is the cost. That's that's, that's part of the part of the deal. And I didn't necessarily have a father when I was growing up, so my daughter was born and I, at, at the end of the day, you know, I was, I'll admit it, I was very selfish. I really wanted to, to kind of be there and, and forge my own path. And, and I love doing intelligence. I, to this day, I still very anecdotally will try and do it Of like, you know, but I, all of it's open source, unfortunately, or fortunately, actually, that is, that's is probably the best way to do it. Uh, so when I was, go- when I was transitioning out, I didn't necessarily have a the most straightforward plan I had a had an idea or a concept. And that was to get out of the service, go to college, use my post Nile and GI Bill, and own a business. At the time it was going to be a porta potty business here in town. Oh yeah. <laughs> and very lucrative, but still to this day, very lucrative business. You know, go figure like a lot of blue collar jobs. The trade off is that it could be very demanding physically, but it could also pay very well in which case you know you can make a comparable wage let's say in the white collar sector but the trade-off is is that it's menial work and you're easily replaceable and often hate your life so i cleaned porta potties for a year and a half on my way to try and secure a loan because i this company was willing to sell it to me for you know the entire book of clients or customers. All the equipment, um, machinery and everything for, you know, about $125,000, which back in 2013 is still even a good deal today. But I just had no way of securing that funding. I had no collateral. I had no business, real business experience. I just had cleaned the porta potties. So it ended up falling through and I worked some odd jobs, but I had maintained going to community college and I, Was able to eventually put myself in a position to transfer to business school. So I went to the Haas School of Business and I worked a bunch of odd jobs, you know, besides porta potties, kind of working my way up. I did that to construction, to title and escrow. And when I went to Cal, I ended up recruiting and I got a job as an accountant with the Clark's company. I did that for a little over a year. Purchased a house. I feel like i'm getting away from it i'm no, sorry, okay. I, know about no, this. I, I, sorry I
0: love it we, i mean we just got a lot to we just got a lot to break down which i which i really which i really yeah. appreciate And that's why you're on the show because you got a really interesting story and that's i'm excited to yeah. dive into all of this and more as we as we continue so the first question i want to ask you rewinding a little bit first, yeah please i don't think it's selfish to get out for family reasons i don't even think that that's like a i don't I would, I would push back and say that that's not even an acceptable way of thinking about it. Like your family's more important than the military or job period. And so making the decision that's right for your family is like the right thing to do. So I think you made the right choice. And I appreciate that. Yeah, of course. And I just think, I I think it's just the military. We get so wrapped around the axle, of like service to the country, which is important that we forget that. While service to the country is great, once you're out in the military, the service to your country is over, but your family will still be there. And so I think people will like the country won't remember if you stay late or deploy all the the time, but your family will. And so I think that you made the right choice when you said that you when you decided that you were getting out. How much time did you have before you made that decision and when you actually were out of the military?
1: Um, I think on my, I think it probably took me, I don't know, I want to say six months to a year prior. If I got out July 26, 2013, anywhere between the first of the year in January to maybe back in July of the previous year in 2012, that I kind of have that inkling of like, I think it's not working out. I, in fact, I'm sure it's probably more of a year before of like, you know, because it really, you know, you're going to plant a seed, right? And at that point, you're like, oh, you know, I just, there's, I thought I was going to be a careerist, you know, and I thought after, because after the first, the first two years suck, right? For sure. For any branch, presumably, like the first two years are going to suck. Before you kind of get a little bit of salt on your boots and you feel like, you know, you kind of know the way that the game is played and the ins and outs and the goods or whatever. So after that, it was like, man, I'm having the time of my life. Like I'm traveling, I'm experiencing new. like every day is a new adventure in some way or like every month, month to month. And for a time, I thought it was going to be a really good time, but. I want to say I probably made a decision probably, yeah, probably a bit. It was about a year out because I remember it was a year out because I didn't go to the range. And every Marine has to qualify on the rifle range every year. And I decided to, I unked on it and I and I basically was able to find a way to not, like, not go back and do it again because it's like, I'm going to get out. It doesn't matter, um, which I do actually regret that decision. But from there, it became like, how can I, prepare myself. And what I did is I took a college class, which once again, huge regret. I wish I I utilized those educational benefits a lot more prior, you know, during those like weekends where I didn't do anything but play Call of Duty or play workout, go to the beach. And I mean those were super fun and you're young and whatever. But I played, yeah, for sure. I played Mass Effect one and two habitually for and eventually, three years later, but I definitely wish I, I took more college courses that could have, you know fast-tracked my community college time to then once again, be in that position to apply faster, because time is your enemy in, in, in one way or another. You're, you're, you, you know, it's a resource that you just cannot get back, so use it wisely. So I did take a college course, I took statistics, which did help, but I, I wish I did more. I tried to pocket away as much money as I could. And I put it into like a CD, but the amount was only like a thousand bucks, basically nothing. And I uh, tried to learn business plans for the uh, the Portifati business. And the biggest thing at the end of it was learning the Taps and Tams kind of whatever, I don't know if it's still called that, but like basically the transition program of like, how soon can I return my gear? How fast can I check out? You know, how can I get on med- my medical waivers and like everything in order for me to basically get my paperwork saying that I'm separating in order for me to apply to college to get my admission and then basically get my educational benefits to kick on immediately. Cause I, from the time that I separated to the time that I started college was 18 days. So there was no real like downtime for me to figure things out. It was a, it was an immediate like as soon as I'm done here, we're going to move into my wife's grandma's house and I'm going to start college while we're looking for a place to live because I'm married with a daughter and a dog and I have no taxable income at this point, which is hard to secure a lease for an apartment, you know. All of those headwinds and Yeah, it was it was tough. I ended up working two jobs and went to school at night. Uh, For a time, I would clean clean porta potties during the day, twice a week, and then I would be a waiter on the weekends, and then I would go to school on the remaining three days that I wasn't doing any of that. And I mean, just working myself to the bone to save up enough money to like basically when I when we were looking at a place, it was like, hey, I could pay the security deposit, everything, first month's rent, last month's rent, right now, if we could secure it, and you know, just plead the case of like, look, we're living in my wife's grandma's spare bedroom right now, is you know. So I did, you know, I did develop a plan of like try and pocket as much money as I can, do anything I can in preparation. I knew I wanted to go to go to community college or I just wanted to get an associate's in business so I could feel like I had something, you know, some understanding. And I was going to buy this porta potty business and I'd been talking to the owner and he's like, you know, hey, when you get out come work for me, I'll show you the ropes and and then, you know, presumably you could purchase it and I legitimately thought I could secure $125,000 at 23 with no, yeah, I just had a truck. I thought it was possible. I really did. And then that was probably my first lesson I learned was the term liquidity. In terms of finance, the liquidity ratio for that business was 20%. So if let's say I got a loan for hundred grand, I was able to come up with 20 grand of my own money and I got a loan for 20 grand, if I defaulted the liquidity being only 20%, the bank basically said I w- they would only be able to, to receive 20 grand if they were to sell all the equipment. They'd only be able to receive 20 grand back, which means their exposure was $80,000. And that was just too high of a risk for them. So they denied it at every bank I went to. And that was probably my first lesson of business of like, you know, liquidity ratios and what's the industry standard. And like, you know, and it, it just, and the intelligence side of me, they're like, curious by nature was like that's an interesting concept how you know what other kind of crazy tools and trades do you guys have over here and i just kind of became fascinated and i ended up getting my mba you know a lot of years later but that's awesome and so what happened
0: to the three-letter agency dream how did that how did that fall by the wayside
1: it ended up falling on the wayside because it just it honestly it never really linked up i when i got out when i was working the two jobs there was a moment of like, you know, a low moment of like, okay, I think I might've messed up. We're, like we're barely scrape, scraping by once again. My wife stays at home with a kid. We have the dog. It's just me as a sole income provider. It's very expensive to live in Napa and, but her entire family's here. So it, like the, the irony is that it did make things easier if we needed somebody to watch the kids or have a date night or something. So I thought about, all right. I should go back, I should join, rejoin, I should do, like, triple canopy, work for Khaki, I still have my clearance, I should apply, you know, the FBI won't take you unless you have a degree, though, so, FBI, gone, CIA, similar thing, like, they can take you, but you better be a wizard, you know, uh, um, or most likely like senior or officer once again, like they're really looking for kind of more seasoned people, not a 23 year old who did five years. And I mean, I had a, I had a great time. I I did, I did do do, two deployments and I was a collections manager. I went to CENTCOM and did some pretty high speed training. I can't necessarily, it's not necessarily super fun or interesting, but it's kind of cool. I understand that's ironic or contradicts itself, but, I just didn't, I just don't think I ever, the timing of it never really worked out. Where I think for the time when I got out, they weren't necessarily looking for people like me. And then when they were looking for somebody like me, like when I had my bachelor's and everything else, I wasn't really interested in it, you know, and then at this time, like now I'm too old. And so, yeah, it just, I guess, the, and I mean, like even, even probably a couple of years ago, going back to 2021, when I was going Starting grad school, I was like still kind of interested. And I ended up reaching out to like the NSA and they're like, Hey, you know, we are hiring you. Should and I end up talking to like a recruiter? Super nice gentleman. And yeah, just never worked out. But that, it's really more of a timing. I think, you know, just being transparent, I think I was afraid. I mean, that's, I think I was a af- fair. <laughs> yeah. I think I was afraid that if I were to apply, it would be like, if I were to fail in any way, whether I apply. And I do it like I get accepted and I do all this stuff. And then I'm like, oh, it's just not as much fun as I thought it was going to be. Or I just can't kind of keep up. Yeah. You know what? Shame on me. It was just fear. I think I was afraid that if I were to do it and I might fail, it would be devastating to me. I don't know. Maybe I just want to romanticize about it always kind of be in this unobtainable thing. Mm. And I don't know. Yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. I don't
0: know. No, I think (laughs) think that's fine. Like, I, I mean when people leave the military, we go from this place of like stability to complete instability. And if you're already in your life in a place where you're working these odd jobs to make ends meet, you're trying to do the school thing. Like you're kind of already in a place where things are dicey. And so I understand the hesitancy of going and trying to like, Take a leap of faith on something that may or may not work out. And the other thing to think about is like most of those jobs you would have been gone anyway. So you would have been in the same yep. position as yes. like if you're like, or all this is a front and you've been in the CIA this entire time. And that's, yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> Playing the long game for sure. Yeah.
0: yeah. And then I yes. didn't get into the CIA wait at all yeah, yeah. <laughs>
1: this is actually all about my hit list yeah, exactly, right exactly.
0: i'm not even you're not even napa right now the yeah. uh, but that makes a lot of sense and so something that i'm interested in with that with what you just talked about is that like that mental low point where you're saying like i might have messed up because I think that everybody, when they get out, at some point, we all hit this like, yeah. fuck, <laughs> like I messed up. I shouldn't have yeah. done this thing. And how did you move through that and not just go back or run back to like that familiar safe place of military intelligence where you knew you were good at and just gutted it out in this thing that you knew you were interested in?
1: Great question. Yeah. And, and you're absolutely spot on. I think it is every service member is going to have that sense of like, was this a mistake or not? You know, I definitely had a lot of those thoughts and went as far as to like reaching out to, to the government contracting agencies. I was afraid uh because I ended up putting in a, a claim for an ankle sprain and tinnitus that that would disbar me from, uh, enlistment back into the rank work. Cause I still was within age. Yeah. The cutoff is like 27. I don't know if that's changed. I assume it hasn't, but I had heard stories. I had a friend that was in a similar position and they basically, and he, he had a dis, yeah. And in all fairness, like I'm pretty sure he broke his back when he was in. They're like, you know, given 80% disability, you're high as a kite. If you think we're going to take you back in, like. You know, to go back on all of this is, is just, it's, you know, we're hurting for people. We're not hurting that bad though, you know? So that ended up kind of, to me, it was like, well, if I just do the, the government contracting route, it's kind of like, I could still do intelligence. because. And we had like, you know, we had a uh, government contractors with us on both deployments and they had all the benefits of, of what we had, if not more so, you know? I still ate the same food we did and still shit in the same place as we did, but their pay was a lot higher. And at the end of the day, it was like, I mean, you know, I could still, I could get a little bit of both, right? I could still have some camaraderie, still do a job that I love and then also financially be able to support my family. But then we're back in that position of like, that I'm gone. I'm away from my wife and kids all over again. And like, that was the crux of it. You know, i i I could do even at uh, my previous job, where it's like, "Hey, we need you to be in Florida for a week," and I was like, well, we're kind of pushing it now." You know, um, I don't know. For me, and that's just a personal thing. Like, I lo- I enjoy being in my house and eating my own food, and you know, I've I've done takeout in anyways. Um, but as far as 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 far as like navigating it, yeah. I, It be, I I think it's like, okay, think about why did you get out, right? Why did you get out? Okay, has that changed? It hasn't. All right. So I think it's just your brain going through that like very natural, oh, this is really hard and tough. Well, then go back to what you know, and then you're like, okay, hold on for a second. You know, and then you're like, going back is actually even harder. That's the reason why we got out. Never mind. And then you go back, you know, so it's kind of like a circle, you know?
0: Yeah, no, I think I love... I love that you just brought it up because I think that people who choose to get out of the military, if they don't do a good job of like crystallizing the reasons why they chose to get out of the military, then they're really susceptible to just falling back into situations that completely resemble the reasons why they got out of the military in the first place. But in those moments of like panic or these, like, I don't think I'm good at this thing. Then they, then we just, human nature is like, we just want to go back to that last time that we feel safe and you need to have those goals or like almost notes to be like, ah, you can't go back. You know, like, why did, like you just said, Why did I get out of the military? Has that changed? It has not changed. Okay, then we can't go back or we can't put ourselves in these situations because it'll be the exact same thing. So I think that's a very wise thing for you to point out. So,
1: yeah.
0: Um, Thank you. Yeah, of course, man. Of course. For so. Porta potties. How did you end up at porta potties? What, like, where did that, where did that come from? I know, like, yeah. I know, Marines. You guys like to play in the dirt and all that stuff. Sure. Like, you probably have for sure.
1: You're re- beautiful, yeah. beautiful artwork. Yeah, in I believe
0: it. Yeah, overseas. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, was about to say, you're a real porta potty warrior back out in Afghanistan. Yeah. So is that is that where the dream is that where the dream got started?
1: <laughs> now, um, uh, kind of a. You know, little anecdotal story, but I used to date this girl in high school, and her father was a was a Marine uh, and Vietnam vet, Purple Heart recipient, great guy. But he, when he got out of the service, he worked for USPS, and then he retired out of that, and then he still wanted to work, so he created a body business. And it was that you know, hers hers and I relationship in a you know mutual uh, agreement kind of thing, but him and I still were like mad tight, like still talked and saw him whenever I came home on leave and you know he had offered me a job whenever I got out and I thought it was kind of like passing the torch but he was really it was a hard 125 grand and he said I can't go any lower and you know uh so I think it was probably more of a proximity to answer your question more of a more proximity I don't think anybody really grows up saying they want to clean porta potties but I would say that, like you know, when I was talking to him at the time, you know, eighteen all the way up to twenty-three, it was pretty obvious to be like, yeah, especially here in Napa. <clears throat> yeah, it's a very lucrative business because although it's labor-intensive, it's kind of like insurance. Like by OSHA, you have to have porta potties, and there isn't a better way to do it in Napa Valley because grapes are—they're not necessarily picked, but they're cut, right? And that's a labor intensive job, which means you have to have a porta potty for every eight people and you're going to hold on to it, you know, for like you're going to hold on to the same porta potty because the depreciation on a porta potty is like 20 years. Um, yeah. 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 I mean, it's, you know, it's, 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 it's plastic. So, and they only cost like 1200 bucks each, which means they're only depreciating, I don't know, math. For a second, like 60 bucks a year or something like that. Like super low. Yeah. It it is even still to this day. There's only maybe three or four competitors in the entire Napa Valley. And it's a very like it's a pretty easy way to 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 have a hundred thousand dollar salary, no problem for sure. Yeah, go figure the jobs, the jobs that people don't want to do, you know, it's the same thing with like underwater welding or, you know, like these jobs that are either dangerous or they're stinky or something like that. The ones that people, you know, a plumber or or a septic tank, you know, those jobs pay incredibly well. They're just, you know, it's going to be like backbreaking work or dangerous or stinky or, you know, people are going to like, yeah, people were going to turn the cheek on. So I don't mind it, though. To me, it never bothered me. And I think a lot of that, especially comes from the Marine Corps. Like, got to, you know, got to get in there, got to do it. So. Yep. Well, it went. Yeah, so Berkeley, or uh, Berkeley's in between. So Napa Valley Community College is a community college. And I was there for three and a half years because I had to work up to Calculus 2, and you can't do Calc 2 until you do Calc 1 and everything else in between. So I would pad all of my classes with as much units as I can to get the full BAH, which is something I recommend to everyone. Just make it part of your ed plan. And it allowed me to get a lot of, like, cross contamination of like different disciplines and just kind of learn. once again, I'm curious by nature. And I did that. I got, I created the veterans club and we were very successful. We did a lot of fundraisers, kind of created a nice work community. I ended up getting veteran of the year by at the time, assembly member Bill Dodd, now Senator Bill Dodd. And that really helped with my application process. And I had a decent GPA. It wasn't stellar, I probably had the lowest GPA as a transfer student. I, I transferred with a uh, uh, 3.49. And I think there's a lot of value in being like the dumbest kid or the dumbest person in a room because I could only go up. Meanwhile, you could only go down if I'm in there. You know what I mean? Like, I'm going to drag you down kind of thing. So, well, I thought it was great. I went to Berkeley and they had already had a veterans club and they still do now. And that was my community, which was great. It kind of helps you navigate a lot of just other issues, or you almost immediately have a sense of community. And that to me was like, it's just an invaluable thing. We're like almost, you know, turnkey operation of like, oh, you're a Marine when, you know, Navy corpsman, mechanic on the, you know, F-15, whatever. Like something I loved was that there was a room, all the other veterans would get in there because they're like, there's a lot of noise outside, you know. And like, have you had lunch? Do you want to get a beer? You know, and you just immediately can have a network. And because there's so many of us in a similar age group, everyone is just clicking and hanging hard and talking video games and, and talking about their deployments and talking about their classes. A lot of them are married. A lot of them have kids. Actually, not a lot of them have kids, but there was a good part that were married. So at least for me, there's a lot of like similarities and, and and then from there, I, I was an accountant. I got, when I graduated, I, I was an accountant for the Clark's company. And I, I did that. I bought a house in 2020. I graduated from Cal 2019, bought a house in 2020. And the house burned down in that 2020 LNU fire, which if you live in Fairfield, I'm sure you remember. And I quit my job at the Clark's company. I had to circle the wagons. You know, my wife and I are married. We have four kids now. We have a dog and a cat. And we're living in a, you know, condominium, but a hotel. And at that point, so I did that until we could find a house to rent, which was super hard in 2020. And at that point I was like, I think I'm going to go to grad school because, and this is a great lesson for all service members, for the service members and maybe recently transitioned veterans. When you go to college and you get your degree, whatever your degree is, and maybe it's relevant to the career path that you want to have, you know, like maybe you're a, you're a film major, photography major, you know, unless your route is to eventually be a teacher, but maybe you want to be an entrepreneur, in which case the degree is going to help you, but you're not necessarily like applying for a job, right? Unless it's career specific, but I'm trying to use an example of like, A business degree is kind of a jack of all trades, which is what I really liked. I like being able to say, I am a business major, but I could work at a hospital. Maybe I work in the admin section of like accounting and finance, right? Um, I'm not going to be working HR because I was never an HR kind of specific person, but you could if you wanted, right? So, but I can also work at consumer packaged goods company or a house of brands company or a branded house in any number of fields, accounting and finance, marketing. What's another good one? Um, I mean, we had quite a few real estate agents too. That was, that's another story. But the problem is, is that you can't pigeonhole yourself. And this is the, the lesson, is that the first job that you get when you get your degree, be aware that that's what you're going to have the immediate Relevant experience in. And that might pigeonhole you because when you're like, if I don't like this, I only took this job because I just graduated and I needed something to like keep a roof over my head. And I want to transition into something else. It's going to be really hard for you to transition because you're going to have to be doing a starting role. You have no relevant experience. So you're going to be getting a starting salary. And maybe because of your um, cost of living or your income is significantly lower. Uh, or significantly higher than what the low starting salary is, it may keep you in the position that you're in, in which case you hate it. And it's kind of like the military circle, full circle here. If you ever met people, men or women, who were like, you know, I don't really enjoy doing this circus anymore, but I'm married, I have three kids, I'm an E6, E7, and I just, I can't get a job that pays this well back in my hometown, right? So they stay in, they become lifers, not out of like a sheer desire, but out of necessity. And they get kind of like in a way institutionalized about it and not to diminish their sacrifice or their service, that's not what I'm arguing. I think that the military, it should be paved for the people who are like, this is is what I love doing. I love the community and camaraderie and like, all I wanna do is be here because I have met some of those people and they were still forced out because their MOS was downsizing, you know? So, you know, be, I guess if anything, be cognizant of like getting pigeonholed and having relevant experience and like, you know, try and have a plan is the best way for me to say it. Like that's, yeah, sorry. Long answers. No,
0: I I love the, I think <laughs> that the, I mean, I call it like golden handcuffs, but I think that for a lot of people, it's really important to understand that, You can switch after you get your first job. That's the beauty of the world is no one's stopping you from leaving at any point in time. It's just you have to understand and gear your like it has to be a holistic approach. You can't just be like, I hate my job, so I'm going to leave you. If you want to have the flexibility to leave your job, then you need to gear other parts of your life around that flexibility like if you make a job that makes x amount of money and you don't know if you'll like it or not don't expand your costs of living to meet that salary because then you'll that's now go, that's now like bumper rails in place of like you have to now st- like if you make a hundred thousand dollars you have to keep making a hundred thousand dollars or you're gonna to have to sell something, or you're gonna to have to downsize, and like those right. have costs. And I think that those are all fine, but I don't think a lot of people make that holistic 360 degree evaluation when they're getting out of the military, or even after they get out of the military. And so I think you make an excellent point. It's uh, it's something that it's not talked about enough, and kind of expanding that i I know that you did like out veteran outreach n- not just with the club yep. but you like worked for Napa Valley College in an official capacity. Mm-hmm. Why do you think veterans have such a hard time and this is just my impression, so maybe 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 I'm wrong, but I feel that veterans have a hard time making these holistic evaluations, kind of like what you just said. Why do you think that's the case, and how do you think that they can do a better job of? doing that?
1: Yeah, definitely, you know, tough nut to crack. I think a lot of them, you know, speaking out loud for a second, I think a lot of them are going to suffer from trauma. And when you have, or you're experienced or exposed to trauma in any form, maybe it's uh, childhood trauma, right? You know, broken home, drug problems, alcohol problems, sexual abuse problems, severe poverty, you know, dad's in jail, mom's in jail, um, that your outlook on life is very small. You know, you're really looking at a lot of things in almost like an immediate way of like, what do I have right now and what's going to get me to tomorrow? And that works great in the military. Once again, you have a lot of people that are telling you everything that you need to do. They're taking care of long-term stuff. Your long-term outlook, realistically is like, my term is four years. You know what I mean? And like, hopefully I pick out Corporal or E3 or, you know, whatever it is. I'm in first class, right? Yeah.
0: Yeah. A1C.
1: Yeah. 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 Other than that, you know, like you're still looking through a lot of things through like a singular kind of focus and vision. So when you get out, that mentality still exists and... How can you like really look at it holistically? Like you have to think big picture now. You have to like expand your horizons and broaden, you know, your scope of like, okay, I know who I am. Hopefully, or maybe to an extent, maybe you're still discovering yourself. Totally fine. Here are the things that I like and here are the things I definitely don't like. You know, who can I talk to to kind of maybe whittle this down? I was fortunate to have been a sort of you know, way a mentor, like I said, that a girlfriend of mine's dad, he never, you know, he never took on like an official mentor role, but I really looked up to him as like a role model of like, here's this guy that joined Vietnam, you know, joined the Vietnam war on his own volition, you know, was an infantry and, and on his first deployment, you know, gets hit in an ambush and his purple arc missing half of his leg but that doesn't stop him. He still works for the USPS, retires and creates his own porta potty business. Like this is American dream right there, you know? And I think in a way, he kind of gave me a lot of that, like, man, if this guy can do all that, I could definitely do this too. And I'm going to, I'm going to take over the porta potty business. I'm going to make it a million dollar business and be the best porta potty business in Napa Valley. So I think if anything, if it isn't finding a mentor who's going to, I mean, they don't have to hold your hand the whole time, but maybe finding some sort of like role model or somebody that you can look up to of like, okay, here's this, you know, and that's the reason why I think we like DFI Steve Jobs or something like that. Like, here's this guy, this, you know, um, orphan isn't the right word. Yeah, i trying to think. Well, he was adopted, right? Uh, um you know, who kind of came from nothing sort of, and, but, you know, he was adopted by blue collar walk, working parents. He was middle-class and, you know, he was a great visionary. Um, but he was able to find his own mentors. And, and I think the full circle is now a lot of people look to him and, and kind of like what you see with Elon Musk today. And who was obviously active around time. I'm getting away from it. I'm sorry. But role models, you know, role, role models, people that, you know, and then you figure out how they did it and maybe you're going to draw comparisons or parallels and, and say, okay, well, that person can do it. I can do it too. And hopefully you find a mentor that works or somebody that works with the industry who might give you some knowledge of like, you know, if you're a real estate agent or you're a financial broker, you know, immediately they're going to help kind of clarify things of like, hey, you want to get your series six and you know, you want to get your license for this and you're going to want to go to, school. and here's the commitments. Like they could tell you that kind of stuff up front. They could, another way to say is like, you don't know what you don't know. And these people can help kind of close that gap.
0: That makes sense. I think that, I think that finding mentors to show you the way and give you a viewpoint into parts of life that you've never thought about is, is very important. So I think that that's a, I think that's an amazing call out and it's wonderful advice. Certainly one thing that you said when you were talking about school that I wanted to dive into, cause I'm not familiar really with the post nine 11 GI bill at all. Like I, I have it, I've never used it. So when you say take a full course load for BAH, what do you mean by that? And do you have any other tips or advice yeah. that you would have on, using the post nine eleven GI bill that you'd like to
1: share? 100%. First thing is first, I apologize if you're a crying child. Um, I don't hear anything, so you're good. Oh, great. Yeah. Fantastic. The joy of having kids. <laughs> um, so the best advice that I have is have, it's okay once, all right, have at least a general idea of what you would like or see yourself doing. Mm-hmm. You know, is that something in the tech industry? Is that something in the arts industry? Something in the business industry? The more finite you can come with it, the more efficient you will be with your time. However, it's okay to not know. Once again, like if you're still discovering yourself, it's okay. It's normal. It's natural. As things go on, even if you are doing something you don't necessarily like, that tells you at least the data point of like, here's something I don't like, you know? So, it'll get you closer to things that you do. Like have a, have a general idea when you're trying to use your post-911 GI bill, they are going to say, you know, what's your major? What are you doing? And if you say, you don't know, you know, they're going to say, all right, general studies, and you're going to have a hard time transferring to a four year. Is it possible for you to go to a four year immediately? Yes. I have met those people. They're just rarer than a coast guard officer you know what i mean like if they exist somewhere i just never see them um so you're probably going to go to community college when you go to community college the intent most likely will be to transfer to a four-year not always you know but even then like if you're like i just want to get my associates in business like well that's a two-year plan and they're going to put you on that track so you have to know to an extent, what you want to do. Is it life sciences? Are you trying to be a nurse or a doctor or whatever? And then from there, they'll develop an ed plan. And the ed plan is basically, you're going to have the required courses that you need to take for that field. If it's business, I'll just talk about that because I know it the most. You're going to need to take accounting, financial and managerial. You're going to need to take business law. You're going to need to take business 100, right? You're gonna need to take a lot of like now life science courses that are basically like to say that you have taken you have taken other courses that should help expand your horizons, I guess, as a person. And maybe that's the thing people have problems with colleges. I don't know. Um, where you'll need like a humanities course, social science course, and uh some sort of like earth science course, right? A language course, right? So from there, it's like, okay, I guess I'm going to take, you know, maybe intro to biology or chemistry, or I'm going to take a film class. I'm going to take a music class. Like, so I, I loved, um, uh, philosophy, sociology, psychology, and all those are like intro, like hundred, psychology, hundred, basically like intro courses where you, you know, we don't need to go into like the full breadth of the course, but we're going to get an understanding Significant events or principles or something, and for me, that was like just like just the, you know the chef's kiss of like, oh, so that's what they mean when they talk about, but you know, the mise scene and like a film or something like that, like what's in the frame or like it gives you to me, it gave me a, a higher level of knowledge and ultimately discipline, which then translates into like a higher level of appreciation of other people's work or, or understanding of people in situations. And anyways, but f- so taking a full course load is important because it will allow you to uh, get done with your education faster, obviously. I mean, if your capacity is to only take a half a course load, which is six units, a full course load is 12, if you only take six units, then Predominantly, that means only taking two classes. Each each class or course is traditionally three units apiece. If you're only taking six units, presumably you're taking two classes. That's fine. Maybe you're only meeting once or twice a week, but the course is still going to start from August and end in December. You're losing like you still have to be in class that whole time. Maybe you're you're because you're taking half, it's half the work, but the timeline itself, it you know what should have taken you. Yeah. Like what you could have done. Yes. You could have done twice the amount of work, but in half the time now, you know, and it's just, I mean, it's just simple math, but another part of that is the BAH itself, because the BAH is basically prorated at every step. It's prorated on the days that you're considered a full-time student. And well, that's actually it because if the semester starts halfway through the month, you don't get paid for the whole month. You get paid for the days that you were, the class started. So if the BAH for that month is $1,000, but the class starts on the 15th, you are only paid 500 bucks, which is the maximum rate. But if you're a a, um, a part-time student, because you're not in part-time is anything less than 12, right? I'm pretty sure. Um, it's prorated on... 12 is 100%. So if you're taking nine units, you're 75. If you're taking six units, you're 50. If you're taking one unit, you're 25. And if you were part-time at six units, that means out of a $1,000, you're only getting paid 500. And because you're only part-time, instead of 500, you're only getting paid 250. You know, like not really a good way to stay afloat, you know, but if that's your capacity, that's your capacity, I get that. I, I, I I respect that everyone's different for sure. But if you're able and, and capable, I would highly recommend taking the full course, load, 12 units to maximize your BAH, and then also to optimize your time at community college and If you have an ed plan, it'll help you get through faster because if you don't and you're like, well, I really wanted to do applied mathematics, but now I want to do structural engineering. There might be some transfer between like mathematics courses because you're for sure going to be taking discrete math. But there might be a chance that every time you change majors, you might have to take an additional course. And courses that you already took no longer are like applicable to the next or to your new ed plan. So you got paid for it for BAH, but As far as timing is concerned, you you got to do even more time now. And I'm just saying that simply on like a linear trajectory where I was at community college for three and a half years and most people are done in like two and a half.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, no, I, I think that that's, I understand the advice is sound in my mind. I think that people should do as much as you can in the least amount of time possible, I think is very important. And that's awesome, man. That's really cool that you're able to get that done so quickly. And so then when you graduate and now you're going to your master's program, your business school, what was, what was that like for you? What was that process like?
1: Yeah. The transition from community college to Berkeley, for my undergrad was a pretty smooth transition. Like I said, the vets club, everything. And then it was just two years, two more years, because a community college degree and associates is going to take out your two preliminary years at a four year. So from there, I, I started Cal as a junior, right. And similar thing, there's core requirements that you need to take. And then there's additional requirements. Like, Like I took Jewish studies and I took sustainability of like, basically like business, like not business. Building sustainability, like basically types of concrete. Like it was, it was an architect, architecture course. Super boring, kind of moments of interesting for sure. But yeah, that one was a struggle. That one I kind of regret taking. It was just a tremendous amount of work. Similar fashion, but really networking at that point. The big push when you're at a four year is networking, 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 more so there than at a community college because community to college is like, this is very much the freshman, and then JV at a four year, and then grad, and then varsity at the graduate level, and definitely a lot of partying for sure. And that's going to be dependent on what college you go to. I highly recommend any of the UCs for sure. And nothing wrong with state schools. I went to state school for my grad school, um, but there's just a little bit more of an opportunity for sure at, at, at the more well endowed schools, and it it's just simple business of like the more money a school has, the better facilities they're going to have or the more grants that they'll have to hire better professors, which then attracts more students, which then attracts more money, which circle, right? From there, though, my ed plan stopped because I received my bachelor's degree in business. And that was the extent of it. I had to go on because of that disability claim that I filed all those years ago. I was still privy to... What's now called VRE, but at the time it was called Vogue Rehab. And I had done accounting and finance, like I said, with my bachelor's, and I just never felt whole, complete. Uh, there was no community. There was no network. It was a very white collar bean counting job. No offense to civilians. I married one, you know, but we're just different people, you know, and like once you've gone over this, like looked over the side of the edge. And then you kind of take a step back, like you can't unsee what you saw. It's going to change you, right? And I, you know, even now to this day, that's why I love having my own business. But I struggled connecting with people and like try to like be part of a team. And, you know, at every iteration since I've gotten out, my community has always been veterans or service members. Like I said, I created the Veterans Club at Community College. I was active. I was president of the veterans club at Cal just had to me, my, my, my security blanket was around other men and women that, you know, we all shared similar experiences. So I really struggled at the Clark's company. And I was, because I was struggling with the jobs that I had, I felt the best way for me to do was to get, for, for me to go and get my. Graduate degree, and I applied. I took the GMAT and was accepted into SFSU's Lamb Family College of Business. But then I need to have it have it be paid for, basically, without me taking on a loan or something. Voc Rehab or VRN today will pay for it if you have a service connected disability of at least, I think it's ten percent. It might be thirty. It is ten percent. Great, and it's. And the best thing about that program is that it will pay for your education or whatever it is, or certificate or a journeyman course, right? However long it takes for you to get gainful employment in the field that you want to do or able to do. And I didn't want to do finance or anything else. I really wanted to do like consulting because once again, I love doing business and puzzle solving and. I thought that was the route that I wanted to go, and I was working on this um, business plan for the hot sauce. I've been making hot sauce for quite a few years now, and I was able to apply. I was accepted for VRE to pay for my program. And there is there is, the advice that I give is you do have to advocate for yourself very strongly. Unfortunately, but I do have a lot of sympathy for the VR&E or. Vo- I have a lot of sympathy for government employees in general. They they have to put up with a lot of stuff. I think it's a vicious circle for themselves sometimes, where they do deal with a lot of disgruntled people. People they'll these people will then treat them, you know, kind of hard, and it will make them kind of sour. And they're like, "I'm getting paid a lot of money to kind of deal with these people, and I don't really care anymore." And you know, so um, be nice, you
0: know. Great advice. Great advice to be nice. What for you, so you go to grad school. What was the grad school experience like for you?
1: I'm not going to badmouth my alma mater, but relative to high school of business, it was incredibly easy. Mm -hmm. And I'm not a wizard. Once again, I transferred with a 3.49 that's married with kids. And I graduated Haas with a 2.98. What's up?
0: Um, (laughs) Yeah.
1: The graduate program, because I came, it's kind of like, I kind of feel like I cheated in a way. Because I came from Haas with, like my pedigree was already business and I had already worked white collar professional jobs of being an accountant with the Clark's company. And then I did finance special projects with Domain Chandon, which is owned by Louis Vuitton, I'm not going to get into it. I had already a wealth of knowledge and experience relative to a lot of the students that I was in class with that because of the pandemic, a lot of like couldn't seek employment. So as soon as they got done with their undergrad, they immediately, they went straight into grad school. And traditionally, here's the rub. Traditionally, a lot of grad programs will not allow you to do that. There's usually like a three-year or five-year cool off period because of the pandemic, all the schools, including Haas, got rid of that. It was like, you could just flip right over into it. And I understand the reasons. Hey, look, instead of you just shit in the bed out in the workforce, come back to school, take on even more debt, but uh, at least you're like doing something, you know? Um, so a lot of my classmates just did not have the same pedigree. disrespect. But I just did not have like a really, really competitive Haas is very competitive. The acceptance rate is like 1%. Um, yeah, that means out of a, a thousand people, 10 people are going to get accepted. Right. I cake, it was a total cakewalk was the best way for me to say it. where like I, to put it in perspective, I was working on a business plan, working on like literally creating a hot sauce business, married with four kids. I worked 50 hours a week as a director at a nonprofit, and I would commute, to, and I was taking a full course load at SFSU, including a commute to like the financial district to take a class. And I graduated summa, summa cum laude? Yeah. Magna cum laude. Yeah. No, I it was summa cum laude. Magna is the highest. That's a 4.0. I graduated with a 3.8. Wow. Okay. So you crushed it crushed it. That's awesome. Is the best. And I say that with respect yeah. of like it isn't yeah. Some people struggled and no offense to them. They just like their 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 undergrad was like psychology. Mm. So it's a total yeah. you know they're like I have I've never taken an accounting before. I have no idea what debits and credits are. And rightfully so it's gonna be a culture shock yeah. for you. But I came from Napa Valley College where I did accounting and I then went to Plus, and I did accounting again. And then you literally and then did it. For I your did job. Account- yeah. Did- yeah. So like there were some parts where I'm like, yeah, I got it. It's fine. Don't worry about it. <laughs> I know how so to read a profit a terrible- and loss
0: statement. I get it. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And I was a terrible accountant too. But for me, yeah, grad school was, was pretty cush, pretty Sweet. pretty simple. And I chose SFSU for two reasons. And I'm sure none of their administrators are listening, so it's okay. No, no offense. But SF, but San Francisco has the highest BH in the country where it's $5,200 a month. I mean, that pays my mortgage and then some, right? And they had a spring admit, which was really critical for me because I didn't want to wait until fall. I'd have to wait like a whole calendar year. And I did not want to do that because I just, I didn't want to work the job that I had anymore. I was very selfish with that where I was like, I am done like taking my pack off, throwing quick, you know, like throwing a smoke grenade. I'm done. I'm done with this. Yeah. Get me out of here for sure. So, uh, I really wanted a spring admin, but I was going to apply to. Uh, Wharton they have Wharton, which is Penn, Penn state's business school where Donald Trump went and Elon Musk went, they have a satellite school in San Francisco. And um, in terms of like the same pedigree of like a step up from Haas, that really should have been like to me, I, where I really should have gone to like respectfully to SFSU um, to actually advance my knowledge. Right, where the curriculum is just going to be a cut above because it's meant for people that traditionally have like a undergrad in business or something like that. Right, and my uh, VR&E was like, "Hey, that's like a hundred and twenty thousand dollars a year." You know, like we don't have that in the budget because they work in a big pool. The way that it works for VR&E, there's a big pool, and if you're taking a big chunk, like, you know, that's it's a hard push. It's a really hard push. But S, but SFSU's grad program was like forty grand or fifty grand. It was you know a fraction of the cost, so it was easier for me to get a green light on. SFSU than it was for Wharton. Uh, on top of that, Wharton had a fall admit rather than a spring, and I really didn't want to wait. And then the requirements for the GMAT, which is you basically have to take a test, kind of like if you want to be an attorney, you have to take the LSAT. You have to take this test, and the scores are a lot higher for Wharton than they are for SFSU, actually.
0: That makes sense. So. And then... Talk me through what's it like starting your own business, finally getting to do that. Wasn't a, wasn't poor as you decided to do hot sauce instead, but what's right. it been like yeah. for you? What's it been like for you starting your own business and like moving out into that world?
1: Yeah, honestly the the breath of fresh air, you know. That's probably the best way to say it. It's for any entrepreneur yourself included where you're like trust me it isn't it isn't because it's definitely not a get rich quick Scheme, you know, it's a labor of love where that what I talked about earlier in the discussion was like a sense of agency is so critical. Where I have, I feel like I have decisions over my life and decisions over my day. And like instead of people telling me, I get it, I actually get to talk to them first. I guess I get to initiate it is, is, you know, it's hard to put a price on. But as far as like, lost wages or anything else, like trust me, all I've done is lose money and like uh um compared to the relative salary that I gave up. So but the the turning point or like the initiation or catalyst was there was just a lot of turnover at my previous employer. I was like I said I was a director in a nonprofit I got which I got headhunted for uh when I was in grad school I wasn't even looking at it. I was working on this hot sauce but I was basically offered a position that was just too good to pass up. And after some management changes, I, I just kind of felt like it was time for me to pull the trigger. I had, I had the mock, I had the mock one already. I like i had, I already had a viable product to bring to market and I had already done market research with it. It was incredibly, like, I was very nervous. I was very anxious. I more or less still am time to time of, uh, um, you know how are we gonna be financially next month, right? However, I would say that it has completely changed my life for the better. Like when people talk about it, you'll see it on LinkedIn or Facebook or whatever, they're like, you know, mental health is a real thing. Like, boy, it really is. And it's hard to, it's amazing what it takes to actually get it or find it. What that really means is that like, whatever it is that you're doing, if you feel like mental health is a real thing, like if you feel like you're struggling with mental health, basically the best thing for me to tell you is that like, whatever it is that you're doing right now, something is not right. Chances are you probably know what it is, but you're too afraid to actually work on it. Right. And you have all of those pieces together. I mean, you eventually just need to take a leap and you're like, I'm, I just have to start and just start. That's the best way to to say it is like, just get started, and as Yoda has said, you know, there are those that that do and do not, there is no try. It isn't like oh, I'm gonna try and do it like no you if you start, you're doing it, and if you don't quit, you're still doing it. you know, since I started the uh, business, i have i've lost weight, you know what I mean, like I've been able to have more time to work out. I started seeing a counselor like a a therapist at the VA, which I highly recommend everyone doing at least once a year. I uh, hate to say this uh, out loud. I feel like I'm outing myself, but like I was a closet smoker. All right. Cigarettes, uh, tobacco, right. Where it's just a nasty habit, just absolutely nasty habit. And I I do it when I was, I really picked it up when I was in the service, especially when I was deployed. And I mean, there was times where like, like I pull a pinch out, and then put a cigarette in and like drink a coffee. And like, I would like, that's how I would like come online. You know what I mean? Because I was night shift and I just odd hours and I never slept and I still still to this day, I still don't sleep right. But I haven't had a cigarette in eight months. And it was literally just, there's no more desire. You know, we cook a lot of, I love to cook, right? I come from a culinary background before I joined the Marine Corps, I worked some pretty nice restaurants, and we cook a lot more. You know, like kind of a weird, trivial thing, but like before, I guess what I'm trying to say is, like before, especially when I was going to grad school full time, working full time, commuting, everything else in between, I never had time. And it would be like, I, I don't care, you know. And I could afford it at the time; I could afford it for sure. I don't care; I'll just buy food. You know, is Instacart right? A Doordash, both of them. I don't care. I mean, there was one time. I one time I ordered twice within like thirty minutes of like, you know what? I could really go for some wings too. Like, bring it on. You know? Yeah, I don't care. Very, very arrogant for me to say that, but there was. It definitely like I just felt like you were slaving away. You're just you're working for somebody else. You're doing you're you you know either you have a plan or you're a part of, or you're a part of somebody else's. And I just never felt fulfilled. I never felt success. I never, any failure I had, it was always my, but any success I had was always, it seemed like it was, it was somebody else's. You know, it never really seemed like it was mine. Now I have success. It's always like, that's great, but it's not good enough. And any failure I have, it's always like, this is a really good learning opportunity. You know, like just even mindsets changed on it. You know, like I'm, uh so the transition scary difficult super rewarding you know bigger sense of peace ironically even though that kind of contradicts itself life changing in in a very positive way and i just have a greater sense of like achievement or accomplishment i feel like i'm i'm having a legitimate effect on people where like in the beginning of this, where you said you had tried the hot sauce and it was amazing. And that's a real, you know, that's a real feeling. That's a real emotion that you had. And I'm happy that I could have that effect. Like I don't sell something, you know, I'm not selling something that people feel like they have to buy. Like, you know, I have to buy water. You know, the water bill came in and the electricity bill came in and I have to get gas or, you know, like commodities. But I also don't feel like I'm, you know, a snake oil salesman where it's like, it's going to cure... It's, it's hot sauce. You know what I mean. At the end of the day, like it is hot sauce for sure. But it's a new style of hot sauce. It's a new take on it. It's a flavor that a lot of people aren't aware of or have tried. And it's like the concept being: can we make a hot sauce that is like packed with as much flavor and as much value as we possibly can for our customers? And um, it's real good. I think that we achieve. Yeah, I think we achieve that, and for sure, that to me is 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 a super rewarding part that I love it. Like that's awesome, man. Today I did a re- yeah, I did a restock in San Rafael and they sold out in three weeks. They sold out twelve bottles in three weeks, which may not seem like a lot, but for a hot sauce startup for sure is. And he's like, Yeah, you know, everyone loves it. Like the Mach two went through the fastest. And he's like the Mach three favorite. You know, can I get instead of one case, can I get three cases? Now like, Yeah, absolutely. You know? So things like that are to me, are just, they not only reaffirm that the decision I made that I make and and the product I have people really like, um, but the reaction for sure of, like, I had no idea that people, I had no idea that hot sauce can can be like this, can taste like this, can have this much flavor, not be so bland Mm -hmm. or runny or super acidic where it gives you, like, heartburn. or. (laughs) For sure.
0: That's awesome, man. I'm really happy that you found a, If you found that you found a thing that you're really passionate about, that you're able to really divest yourself into that and find that freedom that you that you wanted, which is which is amazing for sure. So last question before we wrap, what is your final piece of advice that you want to give to the listeners? That's a
1: hard
0: question, huh? Take as much time as you need to think about it. I can shave this down if I need to.
1: Yeah, Uh, well, you know, I would say. I would say, be curious. Mm -hmm. Start now. And don't be afraid. Mm. You know, I guess those are three things. But yeah, be curious don't wait, you know, start now, don't wait and don't be afraid. Don't be afraid of failure. Don't be afraid of success. You're going to learn as you go. Like I, like I said, you don't know what you don't know. And there's no way for you to know until you start Mm. and you have to be curious. I mean, like if you have your blinders on, what's up, buddy? Hi, dad. Hey buddy. I'm on a call right now. Okay. (laughs) All right. Oh, sorry. You're good. Yeah. Be those things.
0: That's awesome. I appreciate it, man. Thank you so much for taking the time, Cassidy, to come on and to tell everyone your story, to share your wisdom, your lessons learned. It's, it's, I really appreciate it. I know people out there really appreciate it as well. So thank you so much again for coming on. Where can people find you if they want to support Aquanhotsauce.com. Sweet. That again, that will be linked in the description of this video below. I've had it. It's delicious. Definitely go try it. But again, thank you so much for coming on.
1: Thank you, Billy. Yeah,
0: man. Yeah. I was I'm happy. I'm happy to have a dude on the show who's so close to my house. Like that's uh, that's pretty fantastic. Yes, sir. Yeah. I'll make sure to hit you up the next time I'm in Napa so
1: you got it please do
0: i certainly will but uh, yeah for everyone out there listening thank you so much for making it to the end of the episode Uh, you guys are the reason why we do this if you like this content please be sure to like subscribe and most importantly share it with those that you know who need it or might be going through a transition themselves that's the end of the episode and we will catch you on the next episode of the post military podcast peace